0: Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal.
1: Hello, my chickens. I have two important things to tell you. The first is that I hope you enjoy this bonus episode with the host of Girls Gotta Eat, which is a sentiment that I always agree with. (laughs) We talk a lot about being single, choosing to have children versus choosing to remain childless, aging. There's just like so many great topics in this episode that we're going to dive into. But before we dive into all that, I wanted to put on all of my chicken's radar that normally, historically, I have not really ever chosen to do public speaking. We get a lot of requests all the time, of course. And I generally just have said, no, that hasn't been something that I've been prioritizing in building my business and in my lifestyle. But Now that we are gearing up for the release of my book next year, Take Back Your Brain, I am starting to entertain speaking requests. So given my schedule and my kind of commitments, I'm not able to come and speak for free to your Book club, you know, or something like that. But if you run an organization or on the board of an organization or work in a corporation or a school, a university, something like that, and you have some budget for speakers, I would love to hear from you and hear what you would like to see me come and talk to your audience about. I can do more kind of workshop format, I can do fireside speaker chats. I can, at the kind of higher investment level, do more kind of traditional keynote talks. Really just depends on what is the right fit and the schedule and all of that. So this is something I'm opening up now that we are moving back towards the book. So I'm starting to book up my speaking for 2024 right now. And I want to hear from you. If you have somewhere you'd like me to come speak, please visit unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash speaking all one word, unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash speaking, and you can submit a request, tell us a little bit about who you want me to come speak to, what you want me to talk about, what your budget is, and we will figure out if it's a good fit. I am super excited to meet some of you in person, come share this work, this life-changing thought work with your colleagues, your direct reports, your alumni club, your corporation, your university, your students, whoever you got. I want to come talk to them. So unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash speaking. Come submit your request. We're booking the first half of 2024 right now and maybe into the fall. And in the meantime, until then, let's listen in to this bonus conversation with the girls of Girls Gotta Eat. Hello, my chickens. I am here with two guests and I'm extremely jealous because they have a hot pink neon sign with the name of their podcast behind them. You can't see it, but now I desperately want one and feel like I need to get one for behind me. So we're already off to a good start. So I am here today with Raina Greenberg and Ashley Hesseltine, who are the hosts of Girls Gotta Eat, which is such a good podcast name. And My favorite thing about this name is just that it could mean so many different things, but we're going to talk about <laughs> what it actually means. So I would love, as I told them before we started, I think that women should talk about their own accomplishments. So I would love to hear kind of how you guys came to the podcast, how you started it, and then tell us how big and amazing it is.
2: <laughs> Thank you for having us. We'll tell yeah. you that, and
1: we'll also send you the neon sign person.
2: Yeah. We love her. Yes, this course. is her
0: second version. We we had to enlarge it when we moved to LA because everything's teeny tiny in New York. So
1: Everything's <laughs> bigger in California. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm really still great. in New York, so I need like the mini version. Yeah, okay. the mini version. Gift. We can just send you our old one. Yeah, yeah you, you can, can have have the old girl's cross cross the daddy. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> you <laughs> love the name. Listen, whatever. And girls got to eat New York now. We're just – put yeah. it
2: in your kitchen, you know?
1: <laughs> there you go. That's a good one.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for having us. I'm Raina. And
0: you want to say you're yes, Ashley? I'm Ashley. I'm the nasally one today. We are both just a little under the weather, but it's fine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> We're clear. <laughs> but- yeah, we're Girls Getty Podcast. We've been doing a show about sex, dating, and relationships for five and a half years. We've been on tour for five years. It is really everything we say from fetishes to finance. So if it applies to sex, dating, and relationships,
1: we cover is it. It's my favorite things, so I just really like that. Fetishes and money? Us too. Yeah, that's like... <laughs> Yeah, You just covered a lot of my interests right there. So I like this. <laughs> and thread.
2: Ashley always talks about our origin story. I'll kick it to her. But we met six years ago and the rest is history. And we, in that time, have amassed an amazing audience and following and had incredibly people on the show and since launched a premium sex toy business in 2022. Nice. And that's our story. <laughs> I
1: mean, that's a good story. to drop yeah, any well, numbers Raina?
2: I was trying to be humble. We have over a hundred no, million downloads. Don't be humble. Um, you have what?
0: Yeah, what? One hundred and sixty plus sold out live shows internationally. Amazing. Yeah. So we. Raina's usually she's like the numbers girl, but yeah, we started this in February twenty eighteen, and we were newer friends. We had only met a few months prior on this influencer trip. We were both doing this influencer thing. My Personal trajectory was like writing to blogging to, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram. I had a parody comedy account. And I was also doing stand up comedy and some TV and radio and different things like that. Podcasting seemed like the next natural step for me. And Raina had her food blog and she was in that world. And we both met at a time when we really were trying to figure out the next step. I had recently moved to New York and was kind of not seeing the end of the influencing income I was doing, but it was just like I needed to pivot. And I felt like that the podcast was what I wanted to do. And I really wanted to talk about dating and relationships and sex. And that was something I'd always been really open about in my life. And I met Raina on this trip. We bonded immediately and we're both kind of talking about our careers and where we were. And we had a similar lifestyle in terms of working for ourselves and creating content and being really open and sharing our lives on the internet. And I just asked her to do this podcast at the end of 2017. And you know it's so funny because I still have the text messages. You know it's just like this mm-hmm. special thing. Like I want to frame one day of me being like, "Have you ever thought about a podcast?" And she was like, "Yeah, I actually have." You know, <laughs> and I was like, "Would you be willing to share about your life and your sex life?" And she's like, "Yeah." You know, duh. Like, what do you think? You know, but it was kind of funny because you don't know for sure. You don't know that someone's going to be like, "Wait a minute, I thought I would, but my dad's going to hear this." Or people Mm -hmm. I grew up with and I don't want to be judged or shamed or anything, but it was no issues there. Yeah. We took (laughs) off like running right away and the format has stayed the same. I mean, we still catch up, talk about our lives and have people tuning in to see what's going on with us, but we bring on guests and we do solo episodes where we really tackle like one topic. It's never been this like, let's just shoot the shit for an hour, you know? So We have learned so much in the last five years. We feel like we have all the knowledge in the world. We've interviewed all the foremost experts. We're complete experts ourselves now. And it's just been such
1: a fun journey. (laughs) I feel like any journey that ends in you launching your own sex toy line, like <laughs> that out. like that went well. That's always a sign things are going in the right direction.
2: Absolutely. And if you're like, you know, I've been in business with this person for five years, and we start another business with her. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's yeah, just really lock go. in right. for That's life. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah.
2: renewing your vows. Or like
1: you're this marriage going well. Let's have a baby.
2: Yeah. Um, so we have we have the media company. Where we're like, let's start an e-commerce and tech business together. Yeah. So. It's been a lot of learning and a lot of fun. And I feel really proud and honored. And so does Ashley to just give people orgasms and enhance their sex lives. Yeah.
1: So good. All right. We're going to get to where people can find the sex toys at the end. So (laughs) I feel like I have a couple of different things I want to talk about with you guys, but they're all circling around kind of something that I think is really an overlap between our missions, which is like telling the truth about women's lives and helping them you know, make peace with whatever choices they've made, even if those things are unconventional or even if those things are different, right? Not feeling like you have to fit into like all the little boxes that society tells you you have to fit into. So I kind of wanted to start talking about age. I know, Ashley, you recently turned 40 and you had an episode talking about the anxieties you had around that, which I think is something that I see this in women I coach a lot that like even women who sort of feel like yeah I'm like I feel like I'm a feminist and I've like done my work on my body image and you know like I'm I feel all empowered and then as they start approaching 40 or whatever age is like that age to them those old thoughts start to creep up. So I'd love to hear kind of what your anxiety was about and kind of how you dealt with that.
0: It was a combination of things like swirling around in my head for why I felt that. I for one, just didn't feel like I identified with it. Like, I was just like, I'm a girl in my 30s, you know, thriving mm-hmm. and being single and crushing it professionally and doing all these things. And I joke that you say girl in your 30s, you don't say girl in your 40s, you say woman in your 40s. And mm-hmm. not that I think of That's myself right. as a girl, but it was like right. this hump and this next era. And there is part of it just being a woman in entertainment and just value mm-hmm. being placed on youth. And I don't. Like to buy into that too hard. That certainly wasn't the sole reason. I think there are so many women crushing it that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever it is. You have Martha Stewart on the Mm -hmm. cover of Sports Mm -hmm. Illustrated. You know, I think things have certainly changed, and all of the women that I look up to and aspire to be are 40s and older. Mm -hmm. But it was still on my mind. You know, I think that there are obviously double standards, and even if we're just talking about Physical appearance, you know, men are get hotter when they age, and women are over here trying to fight time and gravity to still be Mm -hmm. perceived as like beautiful and society standards. So there was that, you know, you're thinking like, did I accomplish everything I wanted to by this age? It just was like Mm -hmm. a big deal to me. I didn't feel so much like this when I turned thirty. It felt like the Mm -hmm. end of something and the start of something new. And I really just didn't want to be single. I had loved being single. I no one loved it more than me. I think it was like the best time of my life. I think there's so much power in being single and creating this life for yourself and doing all the things and making friends and you know, thriving in your professional life and achieving success and all the things that you do when you're not in a romantic partnership. But I was ready to start that next phase of life and be in love and with somebody and have a partner. So that was weighing on me too. I just felt like that would make a difference. And it's just what I wanted. I mean, I'd been talking about it since the beginning of the year. Like this is the year I really want this deep down. You know, I hadn't really felt that prior. So that was part of it. And it was just a bunch of different things. And, you know, I grappled with it because I wanted to be so excited. I wanted to really own it and be so excited and just be like posting on social media and like inspire other people the way that I felt when, you know, I saw Chelsea Handler turn 40 or Beyoncé turn 40 or whoever it may be who you look up to and I was like I want to be that. I wanted to get people excited to turn this age and not worry about it and I got to that point and I was in a relationship you know, we really defined the relationship right at the buzzer. It was
1: like, right. <laughs> like, I, re- I really. Like, Listen, I-, I have a manifesting goal we got to get to. It's, so it's like
0: the most I've ever manifested everything. I, I can't even believe it. I had this feeling at the beginning of the year. I was like, I think I'm going to meet somebody right before I turn 40. And that's exactly when it happened. We were dating, but we had the conversation of like, we're together, we're in a relationship, we're committed on July 8th, and my birthday is July 9th. So it really worked out. But, and I just was like, it's my personality is always to own who I am. And I want to be this person. I want to be excited about it. And so I just kind of also had to decide. You know, so much Mm -hmm. of it is just like having to change your own mind and choose to think about something a different way or a certain way and just really be true to yourself. So that was kind of what did it for me. And I, you know, it is so genuine. Like now I'm just like, I can't bring it up enough. You know, it's turned into this, like all Ashley talks about is being 40. And I just, I'm- So what do you think
1: shifted? Like, what are your thoughts about being 40 now?
0: You know, it's funny when you look back and you thought something was a big deal and then it's not, you know, I think we, that's a lot of things. You're like, why did I care about that? That was like, Mm -hmm. how dramatic was I, you know? So part of it is just like, what's the big deal? Part of it is I have just come into the place where I do want to be someone that other people can look up to, like the way that I looked up to women who are older than me when they crossed over <laughs> into 40. And I feel like that. I see comments and I get messages and I'm like, I really am in that role that I wanted to be. And I also just achieved everything i I wanted. I mean, there's still much more to do, but I achieved a lot of success. I have a lot of love in my life. I'm with this partner who I'm very much in love with and see a future with. And, you know, I have Reina and we have our businesses and it just felt like I'm really happy at this point in my life. How can I not be so excited to have made this life for myself and achieve this and embrace this age?
1: Do you have thoughts about this, Raina? Do you struggle with kind of thinking about aging and whatever age you are? I
2: wouldn't say it's my story at the moment. You know, ask me again on the edge of my 40th birthday in a couple of years. But I think every woman struggles with it. I remember being 23 and thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be 25 soon. That's so old. I remember being (laughs) Mm -hmm. 29 and thinking 30 means something. I think every major milestone, everybody immediately takes stock of their life and says, did I find the love I wanted? Did I find the career I wanted, the friendship, the money? Am I good with my family? You know, I think it's everybody's story around any milestone. And We say this on the podcast constantly. You know, the podcast is about sex, dating, relationships, but it really ultimately is about the relationship you have with yourself and building this life you're so proud of. And I've done that. So I hope that at every milestone, I'm really proud of where I'm at. And I am single today, but I've been in really wonderful relationships with men that respected me, loved me dicked me down. Well, I've built a business with somebody the that I really, do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they fuck well. Yeah. I built a business with somebody I really love and respect. And I feel like I've made a really positive mark on the world and I try to be good to other people. So, you know, at every birthday, I think we take stock of our lives mm-hmm. and you want to just feel like, have I checked a lot of the boxes that I'm really proud of? And if you haven't, then you can start today. Yeah, You know, like I think that Ashley hadn't been in a relationship in a while, and she turned 40, and she met this incredible person who I love, who she loves, and it's a great relationship. And I hate to be like, it's never too late because 40 is not that old. I
0: know. You
1: like, know? We always
2: want
0: to tread carefully because it's like not – you know, <laughs> like I hate
1: talking really? about it, – Like it's I have this- a great uncle who yeah. met his second wife when he was 80, and then he lived to be 94, and they had like yeah. a great.
0: Yeah. Yes, so
2: years. I don't subscribe to this like, it's never too late. I mean, sometimes you have to pivot and we certainly believe in that. And that goes for the friends that you have around you, what you do in business, the type of people that you're going after romantically. But you know, you can create a whole new life for yourself tomorrow if you want to. I certainly didn't seek out to have a job in media. I had a food Instagram business. I really enjoyed the social media aspect of it and photography and writing my blog, but I never thought about having this podcast. And now I think, through doing this, I know that we've become these experts in this field. We, like Ashley said, have interviewed everybody in psychology
1: and writing. And I'm just so proud of what we've built. And now I'm an expert in that, you know? I think the reason women fear aging, right, is that we're taught that our value and our worth comes from how we look and conforming to these conventional beauty standards. So it's completely natural. Because then I think women also then feel like they're being a bad feminist or they shouldn't feel this way. But It's totally natural if you've been taught that your sexuality in your youth is the most important thing about you, that you're going to fear that. But I think what you're saying is totally the antidote, right? The way that you don't fear aging is that you live a life that you feel good about now, where you are the person you want to be now and you are having the impact you want to have now. So you're not like, oh God, the expiration date is coming. Like my sell-by date is ticking down and I'm not going to have that value or that impact or that respect from the world or whatever, when I hit that certain point, cause you're creating it for yourself. I do want to say something about the looks thing that you said. I think it's silly to not
2: acknowledge that everybody cares about how they look. And there's different levels to it, of course. But we all want to feel beautiful and confident. And it would be silly to not admit that, yes, of course, I have a feeling about how I look today versus how I looked when I was 25. But Ashley and I both try to be really open about, yes, we get Botox or filler. I've had veneers done. I've had my boobs done. So I'd like to be honest about it. But both things can exist. You can be Mm -hmm. nervous and maybe not confident all the time, but also still really like yourself. Like both things can exist at the same time.
0: And I always wanna say that it's easier for us in terms of children. So we I don't want children, I never have, you know, Raina's pretty certain, you know, she still wavers sometimes, but I really feel for women who are approaching a certain age and really want children, it hits different. So I always wanna acknowledge that. And there is actually a biological clock and you're thinking about your fertility and your value there too. And that's something that has never had to cross my mind. So I always just want to speak to that because you talk about women in their late thirties, they're turning 40. And if they want children, that's like the top thing that they're even thinking about. So just wanted to
1: add that in. (laughs) I think the socialization is really important there too, though, because it's not just that we're taught like we're also taught there's a certain way you're supposed to have children. That's the way that counts. You have to like find that partner. Of course. And that sort of, it all feeds into this narrative that women get that basically when they find the right person, mostly it's for straight women, man, who's or they find them, that's going to sort of like solve all of these problems in your life. It's mm-hmm. going to like solve the problem of who you're with. It's going to solve the problem of having children. It's going to solve the problem of being socially acceptable. So I feel like for sure, there might be different reasons that you're worried about aging, but I think always that solution is like, okay, if this is the life I want, if I know I want kids, yeah, then what's my action plan? Right. Mm-hmm. Like what do I need to believe about what I'm capable of or how I can create that family and how am I gonna do that? Versus sort of feeling like, well, I gotta, you know, I hope he comes along soon. Like I hope that guy shows up and solves this problem for me. Yeah. I think that like, I don't know how you feel, I'd be curious to hear because I've talked about this in the podcast before that I was single on and on. I mean, I had relationships, but none of them were like, I'm building a life with this person. So there was always this. I think that one of the things I loved about that that I really struggled with when I met my current partner, who I also met like a month before I turned 40, and oh. I had always thought I was going to meet my partner when I was 40. Yeah, so I like that I manifested that <laughs> same way, was like really mourning the loss of like the open-endedness of that in some way. Like I think there was something about being single that felt like, well, this big thing about my life isn't determined yet. Like, who knows who I'll end up with? And of course, you can have like all these different fantasies of what that's going to look like. But it really felt like something big was like undefined, which I actually think was part of what feeling young felt like. It was like feeling like a big area of my life had not been decided yet. Mm. Whereas now I'm like, okay, this is the person with all the things we love about him and also the way that he chooses, or whatever my thing is that makes me crazy. Like, this is the reality and now that's kind of settled for a while. So I'm curious if you were you just like yes, great, I feel amazing. I'm all in or did you feel some conflict about that transition?
0: I love this question. For me, it's like exactly how I wanted it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I like wanted to be a single icon in my 30s and then I wanted to find a partner at 40. So it like worked out. I do feel like I manifested it. But I guess I struggle more talking about marriage because I have a lot of thoughts on marriage and you know what it really means and where its roots are. And I go back and forth because I am who I am because my parents' marriage and they're still married, married 45 years later, but they also have children. And I think there's a lot of value in getting married when you want to have children, have a family. So I look at it two different ways. For me personally, I was like, I don't. Want to buy into this? I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I don't want to be part of the engagement culture, and I'm not changing my name. You know, I'm going to have a prenup to protect my money. You know, I don't want to do this. Like, and I always try carefully because I have zero judgment for anybody that wants to do everything traditionally when it comes to marriage, engagements, bridesmaids, whatever the fuck you want. So this is just my personal opinions, and I was like, I just don't think that's me. And listen, I'm not (laughs) engaged, you know, but I have talked about this with my. Boyfriend, because these things, you know, I think they're important to talk about kids, marriage, where you want to live. Those are kind of like the three main things, and it's important to him. And I was like, I would do it. You know, I really care for him. If it goes in that direction, it's something that I would definitely consider and probably end up doing. And I would do it my way and make it work for me, for us. But that was more of the thing that. I struggled with. I was like, I just don't want to be a wife,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. like I- There's so much baggage with that term. I don't, that term like totally- I actually have – last week's episode on the podcast was – I just did two episodes about my ambivalence, about getting engaged and getting married. Uh We are engaged and getting married, but I feel very ambivalent about it. But yeah, I do not think of myself as a wife. That's like (laughs) such a culturally loaded
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like I joke – I told my boyfriend one time, I was like, oh, it's so embarrassing to be a fiancé. And he was like, what is that statement? It is though. (laughs) Like what – there's (laughs) something about it. Like so – I don't know. It worked out for me. Raina can you know, speak to this also, yeah. but I really liked being single for most of my 30s. I really liked having Raina as my partner, you know, really cultivating this circle of female friends we have and like, you know, being on this professional journey together and traveling the world and doing all these things and then really kind of hitting a point where I was like, I'm entering kind of a new phase of life and now this is who I am now.
2: I like that you talk about mourning your singledom. I don't think Uh you hear that term applied to women very often. I think that we apply it to men all the time, that like Mm -hmm. it's so hard for men to come around to being in (laughs) a relationship. But, you know, I am somebody who really likes my alone time. I, I really, really need it. I regenerate from it. I like to sit outside at night by myself on my porch and read a book. I like to spend long periods of time by myself. I like to go where I want to go when I want to do it. I want to make yeah. friends. I want to plans of friends last minute. I get a little anxious when I have too many plans. I have to commit to too many things. I can't relax. So it is hard for me to think about like dropping all that for another person. But the people that I have dated and have been really in love with fold really seamlessly into that going to say,
1: I think my partner just basically lets me do what I want, and that's why. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) because I think that, you know, you can provide a lot of value when you aren't needing me time. You know, I plan really fun things. I have great friends. What I do for a living is really exciting. You can be a part of it. Ashley and I do live shows. You can come to the live shows. You know, when I will let you in, which is most of the time, it is really fun, but I do need space. And anybody that I've had really great relationships with is usually pretty similar. They want their own downtime too. They want their space. They enjoy being a part of my life and my friends when they are a part of it. So I think Mm -hmm. it's always about just finding somebody who folds into your brand of craziness, neediness, alone timeness, (laughs) uh, and... I think that when you find those people, it feels easy. And like I've dated people where I've said, you know, it's like trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole. They just, they won't do it. And Mm -hmm. it feels unnatural. And as much as they maybe look good on paper, you kind of have to abandon those people if you just keep trying and they don't fit into your life the way that you need to.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so few models of like, what are different ways of having these relationships? Like, I feel like if we were not I mean, a we live in New York City, so like rent is insane. B he has children half the week, and I think I wanted to live together at least in the beginning. But like, I could totally see us in twenty years being like, we have two houses next to each other. And, <laughs> That's like, my dream. That your the house together is a, a whole other pit, animal, and you yeah. just come over to my house, which is like nothing is ever out of order in here, and I don't have to.
0: Like, yes,
2: no. <laughs> small spaces are really hard. And- I'm anal retentive about my house. I just am. I like things exactly as I left them. I tidy up constantly. I like to clean. I like to like cook and clean everything before I eat. I just I'm a little anal retentive about where stuff is. And I did live with somebody in New York City. I've lived with. So the three people in my life, one was very short lived and it was because the apartment was so small. And I just, Oof. after COVID times, so many people were working from home. So I would leave the house yeah. in the morning to go to our studio down the street. He'd be there and I'd come back and he'd be there. And I would just be like, I just, I don't get any free time. I don't, I mean, I don't know how people, kids yeah. do it. I was like, I don't have any free time from you, let alone children.
1: Yeah, I think about Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, is that right? Yeah. They had like a compound where they each had a wing and then there was like That's a the dream. I
0: want like a stare. walkway like in the yeah, airport. Like I want that a, like is the, the dream. Walk- That's I and I've talked about this with my boyfriend like <laughs> this is part of my personality is like not wanting to live together and I think we will get there eventually but like you need space. It wouldn't be in the house I'm in now. You know, I just think right. and my I've always said my dream is just to live in the same neighborhood, <laughs> you know, just like date it forever. Like so- come
1: over, spend the night. Yeah. And women aren't, like, right. Like, as Raina was saying, it's, like, very culturally accepted for men to be, like, into their bachelor phase and, like, to think men want space, even though, of course, all the statistics show that marriage is better for men than for women. But, like, the cultural trope is still that men have to be, like, somehow, you know, like, lassoed and then, like, corralled into it or somehow tricked or whatever. But I feel like women are socialized to think, like, okay, well, once you're in a couple, right, if you become a wife, it's, like, now you have this enmeshed identity. Now you are this like you have this subservient identity, as opposed to encouraging women to think like, yeah, you might love somebody and like not want to live with them, not want to cook for them, not want to do their laundry, like I not want
2: to be woken up by them. I'm a light sleeper. I just I don't oh I can't have you don't, rolling don't, around don't in the get bed. Don't
1: started on this. <laughs>
2: You know what my perfect scenario is? So I live in a house. There's a wall between the house. It's two houses. And there's this gorgeous man that lives on the other side of the wall. And he has an entrance on one street. And I have an entrance on the other street. So we don't have to see each other going in and out. But like if I ever want to have a drink with somebody at night, I I text him. He comes over sometimes and hangs out with me and Ashley and the dogs during work day. Like I love looking at him and having him around. That's like my perfect relationship. So you're already
1: in your perfect relationship. We don't sleep together, but once, you to, once <laughs> we Other start sleeping together, it's like you, you just get that's like one little tweak. You're like so close. <laughs> that's so funny. I think for every like for those for people listening, I mean, one interesting exercise you can do is to ask yourself like, what would my ideal scenario look like if I wasn't worried about money and I wasn't worried about what my mom would think and I wasn't worried about like whatever? What would be my ideal scenario? Is it living together? Is it being on two sides of a house? Is it? like living across town and seeing each other twice a week, I think women don't take the time or even feel like that the idea is possible of thinking through like, what is an alternative way of doing these things. My partner definitely when he approached me, like, for moving in, like he was trying to like attract a feral cat that he had to like very <laughs> slowly and gently.
0: <laughs> it's important to see people doing it Differently. I mean, I think a lot of our friend Hannah Berner, who's a comedian, podcaster. Yeah, she's been on my podcast. Yeah, she's incredible. And she's really of this whole deprioritize men from your life. And she's married and she has her own apartment (laughs) and she's decorated the way she wants. And I think, what, they're next door to each other? I think they like live in the same building. And I think it's nice to see people to look up to, you know, because some of these mm-hmm. things are on the newer side, you know, they shouldn't be so novel. It shouldn't be so crazy right. that a woman would want to have her own space or that she's not just with her partner all the time. But I think it's nice to have, you know, role models for lack of a better word to be like, Oh, I can do that. That's working for them. That's really mm-hmm. cool. And they seem happy and healthy. And so it's just so important to like share these stories. So people don't feel like they're crazy or weird for wanting to do things quote unquote differently than It's always been done.
1: Yeah. So good. Right. I mean, how many marriages would maybe actually not have to get divorced if they just knew that they could, like, move out and live separately?
2: I think it's a new idea also. You know, I think that, of course if you have children, you should live together. (laughs) I teach their own, but it's nice to grow up in a two-parent household. And I think it's a newer thing for women to even be so open about not wanting children, for couples to be open about not wanting children. I always say more and more I'm finding men on dates that either say to me that they don't want children at all or that they would just defer to their partner. I'm finding this more and more as I get older that I don't meet as many men as I used to that are like, yes, it's a foregone conclusion. I will have children. It's a newer thing to come around to this idea that you don't live together because you don't have children to raise together in the home.
1: Well, I think even if you have children, I every single <laughs> divorce person – listen, I'm a co-parent half the time, so I'm in this situation. But also every single divorce person I know who has kids is basically like, obviously, this wasn't how I wanted to get here. Like, I didn't go into it assuming this. But this is by far a superior way to parent. Part of the problem with parenting is the just – unrelentingness of the caretaking and the total lack of any time to yourself. So huh. if you're splitting the week with somebody, it feels, I mean, my partner talks about this, like, it's so different. I didn't want kids. I was childless by choice. And then I ended up partnered with somebody with children and none of the things that I was worried about turned out to be wrong. Like it is unrelenting when it's happening. I can see even myself like how fucking insane I would feel if I didn't know that there was like, and I love these kids, but like that I didn't know that there was a break coming a break, yeah. every week <laughs> And all my friends I know have gotten divorced, my partner, all my friends are like, obviously they miss their kids, they love their kids, and they weren't trying to end up in this situation, but it's just partly a testament to how parenting has become so, like, siloed, right? We don't have the village, we don't have the Uh extended care networks, people aren't living with three generations of family who can help, so most parents these days are like... It's just them and it's all the time. And so I don't know. I feel like what if you're married and have kids and you still want to live apart and trade the kids every love once that. in a while. And like, then the
0: kids get to be like, I, I have two can houses. can do that also. They get to like brag at school. Like I have two houses. <laughs>
1: right. Like maybe, maybe you this idea. four nights a week and then one night a week you're each off and go to the other apartment. Like there's a lot of options.
2: Well, we Love did that, that growing up. My parents divorced when I was four, and my mom really was like the school parent, of course, and she was the responsible one Sunday through Thursday that made sure we did our homework. And my dad took us on the weekends, and he was a great parent, loved to do stuff like take us to baseball games and to the library and the museum. But, yeah, they each got a break, and I was really lucky that my dad chose to live down the street from my mom, and yeah. I didn't really know that much about their relationship. They, I, I heard some stuff about money growing up, but nothing so terrible. And I think that I was really lucky to grow up with two people that – Decided to not hate each other in the same home. Right. And my dad was there all the time. My stepdad couldn't stand it. But my dad was unrelentingly at the house. He would go into the fridge, eat some food, take a shit for 30 minutes. He still minutes. does that. It was crazy. He yes. still does that. My mom hates it. He lives on the street. And still does. He does He lives down the street from my mom. It's very fine. Her husband of 25 years. <laughs> but I love that idea. And I've never heard anybody describe parenting as unrelenting, but I like the notion of it. I always say, you know, my my aversion to having children is that I had a really wonderful upbringing. So did Ashley. My parents were really wonderful, and I don't know that I want to do the things for somebody that my parents did to make my life so wonderful.
1: Yeah, relentless unrelenting. that's how I think about it because it is. It feels like it's like somebody needs you all the time. Yeah, and that goes on for like much longer than you maybe would think that it would age wise. Yeah, then it's just that you know you're just, and even if once they get to be teenagers, okay, they don't need you, but they still. Do in the sense that you can't, you know, you still have to be like thinking about them and concerned about them and figuring out what's going on and making sure they eat or clean the room or whatever. But especially when they're young, I think I just knew for me, like the sensory overload of that was going to be so intense. And it's not like when an adult where you could just be like, "I need a break. I'm going in the other room and closing the door." So I don't know. That's definitely my experience. My experience of what is.
0: I'm just like curious. Can I interview you now? No, I'm just. I'm curious what your partners is he like is it a joint custody like and then you're yeah yeah it's like
1: close to 50 i mean nothing's a week can't be split exactly 50 50 Mm because of how many nights you know it's like four nights three nights but yeah it's a it's like every week we have them for half the week or one third plus half of a quarter whatever it would be it's like three nights a week okay yeah so we have them half the time but do you live together now yeah we all live together you do okay so my partner and i live together yeah Yes, I got trapped like a feral cat. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, right. The whole, yeah, okay. It, it did work. It happen. Little, little treats and like a real hands-off approach and then all of a sudden there I was. And then there's and kids we in there together. and you're like, how did this happen? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the time. No, I mean, because we also moved pretty quickly. I mean, we were older when we met. He was 52 when we met. He would already been married once. I was mm-hmm. 40. And I think, you know, we did start out being supposedly casual, but pretty quickly it wasn't. And then if you're going to... When somebody has kids, also it's a much higher stakes thing to be like, are we doing this? Like, yeah, totally. So it was pretty fast. But yeah, so like two years ago I was living in Morningside Heights by myself, essentially single. I mean, four months ago, if two years ago, like single, being like, I don't know, maybe I'll marry some guy in Paris and move there. Maybe I'll – now now I – yes, now I like – live with a man and his children. <laughs> it's a very, it, a it comes at you fast. Do <laughs> you talk about it when I come on your podcast? There's a lot ha- out in there. Yeah, I'm really interested yeah. in
2: it. We have a girlfriend who is dating somebody who's recently divorced and has two young children and she's just sort of navigating what does yeah. that mean and how am I allowed to fit in there? And she had said yeah. he's having dinner with his ex and her parents and what does that mean? And I was like, they're doing it for the kids. It's just for the kids. It's not a romantic thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, I'm totally. curious how you sort of navigate all of that. I find it really interesting. I mean, that's a big
0: conversation. <laughs> yeah, we'll have you on our podcast. We'll do this. We are going to have you. I think I'm coming yeah, we'll on do- the podcast. Right? Yeah, we'll so we do can this. Talk about it there.
1: I would say that we have it as good as you could have it in terms of like the kids being accepting. It's all amicable and it's still fucking complicated. It's like you're, I'm not just marrying you. I'm marrying your children and I'm basically marrying your ex-wife. And like, you know, it's like the throuple you didn't want. Like you're just now just involved with this person. This person is now basically part of your family who your partner isn't even married to anymore. So it's like a weird, like that part is definitely, I think to me that feels like Obviously, the children themselves are the biggest difference, but also the sort of like having your life be very impacted with and integrated with this third person that <laughs> yeah, you didn't
0: that has gotta be the choose part. or, you know, that part's very weird. So, okay. Well, I'm excited to talk about it with and, you on our show because we get, we get yeah, that a lot. Well, <laughs> we get we, we have, we have that question a lot dating someone with kids. And so, yeah. oh,
1: here's what I'll tell you be careful because <laughs> you tell yourself, this is just casual. It's never going to I mean, you've got kids and I don't want kids, so nothing's going to happen. It's fine. <laughs> And then six weeks later, he's telling you he loves you. And then this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you end there you, you are. You end up there. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying, like, I have other questions. I'm just trying to think about what I want to bring up. I think the last thing I kind of want to touch on, because I do feel like my listeners, I felt this also, they're not just like grief about like mourning the singlehood, but I mean, you talked a little bit about this, Ashley, being like, oh, I was this like icon of singleness. Now I'm in a relationship and you wanted that transition. But I did feel a little bit like, I've taught so much around this thought work around like being single and how to fall in love with being single. And and now I'm like, and now I'm getting married to a man, which is like the most heteronormative thing I could do. Right. Like, no, like, so, like that was a weird mind fuck. So I want to make sure we talk about something other than that. Also, I think, you know, you referred to Reina as like your like partner in your thirties. And I feel like I have a friend who's, I feel like is my platonic soulmate and like is a partner in that way. We're not, we don't live together, but I'd love to hear kind of what your thoughts are around, like, how artificially we, like, construe partnership romantically, what it's been like having, like, a very significant, you know, friendship, work relationship, like, really having a partner. Very significant, a a non-romantic romantic other. <laughs> Is not lit.
2: Uh, uh, what'd you say? A very significant non-romantic other. Well,
0: what is it? Yeah, it's exactly. Like OSOs, other significant others. We talked about this with Logan Yuri on our podcast and the, the clip went crazy. It's not like the hottest take, but to put a name to it and kind of people be like, oh, I have that. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. You know, it works out. Like we're, you know, late 30s, 40. You know, I think sometimes those relationships are a little harder to navigate in your 20s. You know, you're younger, you have a best friend and you're running around living your best 20s life and partying and dating and then they get in a relationship and it can be kind of hard i mean i've ran into that i was always the single friend and so and you just change you know you grow up and you realize that your friendships ebb and flow and it doesn't mean that they are over or they're you know even going to change drastically long term so i think a lot of it is just maturity and growth and having someone who's on the same page like right it just gets it, you know, like the same that I was when she was in a relationship. And I don't know, I think I'm navigating it well, just like you did and you would the next relationship you get in in terms of this is like the couple counseling reality moment. Then Rain is like, no, yeah,
2: oh, we get this I question a lot. People saying, you know, what happens? when One of you get in a relationship, and a few people recently that we're really close with two of them have asked me, like, well, what has it been like? You're still getting attention, and yeah, usually, you, you know, well. I, <laughs> I, I, yes, I've been in a long term serious relationship during this podcast, also. I mean, the, first of all, the business always comes first. Nothing's ever going to be more important to me than girls got to eat, and yes, of course. Love is important and people are important. But what we've built is really. I feel
1: like that's so important though. Can we just pause? Like, women are not taught that they can say that. Like, you're supposed to always be like, of course, my husband and my family be the most important thing. And I feel like I once went around this table of coaches at a business conference we were at, and I was like, if you had to break up with your partner or close your business, what would you do? And like most of them are like, oh shit, I would get rid of my husband. But like
0: right, anybody can get a husband. Not everybody right. can build this empire.
2: <laughs> I mean, of course, the business comes first. But what I'm also saying is I come first. And right. you know, if I'm happy, you know, then I can be a, a better partner. If I feel successful and fulfilled, then I can be a better partner. And yeah, girls got to always gonna come first. But we're just really, really lucky. We don't really get sick of each other when we do. We just take a little break. We're just aware for 10 days and we spent the whole day together yesterday and we know how to work together really well and when we need to take a pause from each other. But I really was thinking about your questions before we got on today and thinking, you know, what has the difference been in our relationship? But I don't know. I don't really feel it that much. You know, I root for her. I want to give her space to be in love and be in a relationship. Having social plans has always been really important to both of us, and we still continue to do those things. And we have lots of Mm -hmm. friends that are married, that have children, that are in long term relationships that we see all the time solo. Yeah. I don't feel Mm -hmm. any lack of attention to myself, my friendship with her, or the business since she's been in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And maybe that came up a little bit when I was in a relationship. I think maybe I was not giving as much attention to the business as I had been because I'd been single Mm -hmm. for so long, but we talked about it and I refocused, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that we can always make missteps. And as long as you're willing to look at your own behavior and acknowledge it, then you can move forward from it. But I really was thinking about Mm -hmm. your question this morning. And I don't know, I haven't felt much difference in our relationship. If I didn't like the person, I would feel a difference. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's him too, though. You know, like he... Knew this coming in. You know, he knew the show. We met at a show. We met at a live show. I mean, he knew Reyna being so important. He has just, stopped at nothing to win Raina over. I mean, it's really... <laughs>
1: it's like being non-monogamous.
0: It's like he knew you had a partner already. It's really... And yeah, like, I and gotta, I just...
1: I've got to fit in. Exactly.
0: And It makes it, me love him more, you know? And we're long distance, so to Raina's point, like, that's part of it, too. Although I think mm-hmm. if we were in the same city, I'd, you know, it wouldn't change much. And then he would just be here all the time, and I wouldn't have to... And now I have to, like, have a whole schedule of when I'm seeing him. I just send it to Raina. She has to be on right. the, you know, on, on the calendar invites and all that <laughs> stuff. But... So, I really love how much he knows how important she is. You know, he's like mm-hmm. he sent her. Flowers to our show, you know. He's just like he's coming here this weekend. He's like, I can't wait to see Rain. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like he really has made that effort. Like the worst yeah. thing in the world would be them being at odds. I can't even picture that. I don't think that that would be someone I would be in, in a relationship with in the first place. So right. I don't know. We're all one big happy family, and but we're grown, you know. <laughs> we're right. grown ass people. Like again, I think it's a little trickier to navigate when this hits you for the first time, when you have that best friend and they get partnered up. And I just want to say to people listening that are dealing with that, like, I really think friendships ebb and flow. And I think that people when people first get in a relationship, and especially when you're younger, it just is all consuming. And Certainly, you don't want someone that's a friend that just drops you the second they get in a relationship. That's not a friend that you want. If you're someone that values friendships and realize that like female friendships are what make our lives so important, or their our existence. If someone doesn't feel that way, that's probably not someone you want to be friends with in the first place. But it's a mix. It's like realizing that that's just how it is. And you want that same grace when you get into a relationship as well. And that was sort of my story with my more serious relationship when I was 30, like early thirties of, I felt like the last single girl. And then when I got in this relationship, no one gave me any shit. I was with him all the time. He was my priority and no one ever was like, been there, done that. You know, it was, it was kind of nice. Hey. It was just like, I didn't have anyone to answer to. I didn't have any friends that felt <laughs> neglected. You know, they were all partnered up and they had just done that already. And they were like, just let her fly. Let her just be with him all the time, you know, and that I still had a balance, but.
1: It's just one of those, like the circle of life. You can find partners that are respectful of those relationships, right? I feel like a lot of. I'm
2: glad that you like, brought that partner. up, but I—it's age, it's the relationship that you're in, and it's the person that you're in the relationship with. And yeah. you know, to zoom out just from our relationship, you know, we should all be picking partners that really encourage us to have other things yeah. in our lives. That because loving me means loving Ashley, it means loving my family, it means loving my friends. And you don't have to be with my friends all the time. We can do it sporadically, but I think that we should all have partners that encourage us to have other good relationships in our lives and to love Ashley means to want to have a relationship with me because it's important to him that it's important to her. And that's one of the reasons why we get, I mean, I just also just like him. I think he's smart and funny and cool, but he treats my friend really well and it's important to him that we're friends. And I have certainly had relationships, mostly in my 20s, with people that like my friends didn't really want to be around mm-hmm. and it was a real problem. And I think we grow out of those things, but it can make you feel really isolated when you have a partner that maybe you have to lie to other people about a little bit, that doesn't treat you well, that breaks up your friendships. I've certainly lost friends over partners that they've had. It's extremely painful. I know that it can happen. And it is also hard in your 20s and early 30s when you're in love for the first time and all you want to do is be with that yeah. person. And you're like, I don't care about other people. <laughs> what are friends? I don't remember. Right? You're like, I don't care about you. I'll catch you on the next round. So it's a balance. And, you know, if you slip, you can always just acknowledge it. You can always go to your friends and be like, I know I've been a little self-involved with myself in this relationship, and it's important to me to hang out more. So I'm going to do that with you more. And like Ashley said, these things ebb and flow. Just because you're in an ebb doesn't mean you can't get back to the flow.
1: (laughs) I love it. I mean, I think I kind of want to close on that point of like, I mean, we talked about this a little, but it's just so women are just not taught to think this way of like, you're the center of your life, right? And you can choose which thing is the center of your life. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your platonic partnership. Maybe it's your romantic partnership. But just giving yourself that, like even asking yourself that question, like what is the most important commitment in my life? Or what's the most important project in my life? Or like, what do I want to be the center of my life? Versus like, well, it's supposed to be a romantic relationship or it's supposed to be parenthood or it's supposed to be whatever else right i mean how like how many politicians like women politicians or ceos do you hear say like well being a mom is the most important job i'll ever have and like no fucking dudes are out there like the ceo <laughs> of j p morgan is not like being a dad is the most no, important job i'll ever have
0: no man, man is like, has like ever running said a it.
1: multinational financial corporation being the president is the most important job I'll ever have. Yeah. So
2: I really truly believe my dad does feel like that. I think being
1: my brother a, feels like that. Like, yeah. being well, I think a dad, some men feel like that. I just don't think we require I'm, it. A, oh, my partner definitely feels like being a dad is the most important thing he'll ever do. There are men who feel like that, but they're not like required to say that say when it, they actually they don't have say it. important job I've never heard my dad say that. Whereas women are like, the first woman president is going to have to be like, being a mom is always my most... <laughs> The most important job. And you're like, it's definitely not. You're in charge of the whole country. Being the president
2: is hard, important. but being a mom is
1: harder. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, no, I don't think that's true. Like, so funny. So I've weird. never anyway. been the president or a mom, so I can't speak Maybe. to it. Well, listen. I don't know. I've been a part-time mom, a sort of stepmom, and like it's challenging, but I don't think it's like being the president. Yeah. Anyway, I could. that's another whole soapbox. Tell people where they can find you, where they can find your sex toys. Like we have a lot of a lot of places to go.
0: You can find everything about Girls Gotta Eat at com. We are on tour through the year. We are in the Texas, the Southeast, the West Coast. We're going to end in New York and Toronto for the holidays, so... Get tickets our tour. Our shows are so wild. They're not like a live podcast. We don't record them. They're just like a circus and they're so much fun. They'd be the best night of your life. Just a wild girl no, out ch- on steroids. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be clear. We're not sitting and like doing this. It's just Astra like. Asher not there. It's, yeah. It's insane. There's just like, you know, dancers and strippers and CO2 cannons and t shirts flying through the air, everything. So they're wild. So girlsgotteat.com for those tickets. You'd listen to the podcast wherever you find podcasts. And then girls got Eat podcast on Instagram. I'm Ash has Raina. Is Raina greenberg and vibes only.com we have so many new products that we just launched for fall we have the vibrators. We have a paired app. With, they all connect with the toys via Bluetooth. We have Blow Gel. If you want to step up your oral sex game, we just drop pumpkin spice for fall. And we have all the things And it's just a really fun company. And again, there's this very cool tech component. Your partner can control your vibrator from anywhere in the world. So great for long distance relationships. Or you can control your partner's vibrator. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm exactly. Gonna be, I'm going to be dying about pumpkin spice oral gel now. Yeah, We'll while. send you one. We'll
2: follow up, get your address. We'll send you. We have really fun vibrators. Whatever you're like into, I come
1: to the show. I'm like, what? We is
2: give that away that vibrators at the show too, but whatever you're into, yeah, if you I'm want if you want a butt plug, if you want a rabbit, if you want a clit sucker, whatever <laughs> you want, I'm we got it. it.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I love this. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things on fuck your brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.